Good afternoon to all. Bill Allen here, uh, can, uh, resuming our Facebook studies. I'm going through the Daily Bible in chronological order uh, by F. Lagarde Smith. F. Lagarde Smith, a former professor at Pepperdine University, a law professor and a wonderful writer and Bible scholar. And he has, uh, uh, years ago, wrote uh, an edit, uh, a Bible, basically edited a Bible, uh, that is a wonderful tool for daily Bible study. It's my favorite one. And this year, not only am I reading through it, Joyce is reading through it as well, but I'm also sharing uh, each week on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, a little bit of a summary about that week's reading, hitting some of the highlights perhaps. And so I appreciate you joining along with us, whether you're reading through it or not. This gives you a good walk through the Bible, so to speak, uh, as it were. Uh, going through as we look at these uh, different great Bible stories. We're at the time where the monarchy in Israel has just begun. On Tuesday, we looked at the story of Samuel and Saul, Samuel being the last of the judges, that transition guy, and called by God to anoint Saul, son of Kish, of, of the tribe of Benjamin, as the first king of Israel. And as you remember, when Saul began, he was very humble, even hiding, <laughs> rather than getting up in front of everybody and being anointed king publicly. But um, unfortunately, that humility did not stay. And in his arrogance, uh, Saul was rejected by God because of flat-out disobedience to uh, what God, through Samuel, had called on him to do. And so God goes looking for a man after his own heart. And you know who that is. That is the shepherd boy who would become King David. So today we're going to take a look at uh, what brings uh, Saul down, at least one of the things, a couple of the things actually. And, uh, and Samuel's call to go and find a son of Jesse and anoint him as the next king, even though it would be a long time before David actually went into power and became the king in a public way. Uh, still, God has already rejected Saul and already is calling David to lead his people. And so we begin today in 1 Samuel 13, and this is where um, we're going to see Saul, um, unfortunately, uh, not be very faithful. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, chapter 13 uh, Saul was 30 years old when he became king, reigned about 40 years. And uh, he at first, again, was very humble and was a successful leader. He uh, uh, brought Israel uh, some military victories, gave them some um, uh, relief from some of those who were um, oppressing them, including the Philistines. And, um, and so in, in 1 Samuel 13, we read, starting in verse 5, 1 Samuel 13, verse 5, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. It was going to be a tough battle. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth Aven. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they'd already been fighting some, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks, and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. So they went across and went over to the east side, uh, east of the Jordan. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel had told him, wait for me seven days. 
But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. Samuel had told him, wait for me, and when I get there, we'll do our worship, and then we'll uh, lead the people into battle. Uh, but Samuel did not come, and Saul was getting nervous. Verse 9, so he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. So Saul gets nervous, he gets anxious. Samuel hasn't come, but he's coming and he's told him to wait. And Samuel is the one who has been ordained by God to be in that priestly function. And, um, and, and Saul is too anxious. He's not trusting in the Lord enough to wait. Um, and so verse 11, after Saul gets, Samuel gets there and Saul greets him, what have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. Yeah, right, that's what you thought. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Well, and again, we don't know people's hearts. Maybe, maybe Saul actually felt that way in one sense or another, but based on Samuel's reaction, I'm having a hard time believing Saul. I think he was just trying to do whatever he could to save the day rather than doing what God had commanded. Verse 13 of 1 Samuel 13. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin and Saul counted the men who were with him. Well, Saul gets nervous. He offers up the sacrifice. He had no business and no authority to offer. Uh, refused to wait for Samuel, and just as he is finishing, of course, Samuel gets there. If he had just waited a little while longer, Samuel would have been there. Everything would have been fine. In fact, Samuel tells him, if you had just obeyed the Lord and trusted in the Lord, he would have established your kingdom forever. And if Saul had kept that humility, if he had humbly obeyed the Lord and trusted in him, even though it was imperfect, if he had just done that, uh, instead of today, we would have been talking about Saul, the king of Israel and the line of descendants through Saul. But God knew all along what would happen. And he had Jesus uh, descended from the royal line of King David. Samuel tells Saul, God has already rejected you as king. And he's looking for a man after his own heart to lead his people. And And we hear the the disappointment in Samuel's words. Oh, if you had only been faithful, God would have established your throne and your kingdom forever. But he did not. In Acts chapter 13, as uh, Paul the apostle is on his first mission journey and is preaching, he is uh, recounting some of the history of Israel. And he reminds them of David being that man after God's own heart. Imperfect, yes. Uh, sinful, yes, yes. But faithful overall, absolutely. And it seems like that's the difference between these two, Saul and David. 
Saul's heart wasn't matched up with God and David's was. Even though, as we know and we'll read in subsequent chapters, um, he sinned horribly. Still, David sought God and he sought uh, to be obedient to God. And when he fell, he fell hard, but he also repented hard and with his whole heart. Unfortunately, Saul did not. And so God rejected him. We see uh, another example of that in chapter 15. In chapter 14 is an interesting account. The rest of chapter 13 and chapter 14 as uh, King Saul tells all of his uh, soldiers, don't eat anything, we're going to fast, and then we're going to defeat these guys. And uh, a little word of, uh, of encouragement to those who are in charge and who are leaders. If you're, gonna, if you're about to go into battle, probably not a wise thing to set a fast on your soldiers. That's what he did. Jonathan, his son, was unaware of it. And Jonathan and those with him are able to uh, uh, find some strength in some honey that they ate. And, um, and King Saul is ready to punish him because of that. But the men uh, take up for Jonathan and they say, hey, he's won us a great battle. Uh, this, you're not going to touch him. And it's a very, very interesting uh, story in chapter 14. And then we come to chapter 15. Now the enemy is not the Philistines as it was. Now the enemy are the Amalekites. And, um, and so God comes to King Saul through Samuel and he tells him, look, I'm going to give you the victory over the Amalekites and I want you to totally destroy them. Much like what God told Joshua uh, and Jericho and much like what God has told uh, his military leaders at times through some of the other passages we've read. Here, Samuel tells Saul, you are to destroy them completely. Don't leave anything alive, and um, not even the king, not even the best of the, of the livestock, uh, any of the people. Um, God says in this chapter, I am going to punish the Amalekites for their sins, and he's going to use the Israelites uh, to do it. And so that's the command. And then in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 15, we read this. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. That's a long way. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So you see where Saul is going with this, right? And you see how his mind is working. 1 Samuel 15 verse 10 continues his story. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. You know, Samuel was um, disappointed and angry just as God was. Verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went out to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. So we see where, where Saul's heart is. It's on himself. Uh, no longer the humble man hiding rather than being anointed king. Uh, Saul is now putting up memorials to honor himself, disobeying God's word, uh, allowing the best of the best to be saved so that he can have 
those things and glory in those things. 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Right. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? <laughs> I love Samuel's response. <laughs> Saul says, Greetings, you who are blessed by the Lord. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. And Samuel says, I don't think so. I'm hearing cows mooing. I'm hearing goats and sheep bleeding and baying. Um, you have a not. You have not carried out the Lord's instruction. Verse 15, Saul answered, The soldiers, not even taking responsibility himself, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Yeah, right. Saul is saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to give them to God. We're, we're just going to have this big, wonderful worship experience in, in, in doing so. Enough, verse 16, Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Samuel asked. Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Well, first of all, I don't think that's what Saul was intending to do. And secondly, even if he were... That's no, that's no substitute for obedience. And that's what Samuel is about to tell him in one of the most, I think, significant passages of Scripture in all the Bible, including in the Old Testament. Um, and so let's read it. Verse 22 of 1 Samuel 15. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul says, hey, all I was doing is I wanted us to have this wonderful, marvelous worship experience. And what Samuel tells him is that doesn't, that's not a substitute for obedience. Whatever you feel, whatever you experience, however wonderful you think that is, if it's not according to God's word and God's will, it's sin and it will be rejected by God. Just as Saul was rejected by God, these words just scream through the centuries. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in worship and worship services? Does he delight in that as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams and bulls and calves and goats. Samuel says there's no substitute for obeying the will of God. God had told you, Saul, to destroy everything. He did not tell you to have a wonderful, uh, emotional, special worship service where 
uh, you get all the glory and all these things are done in a public way. That's not what God wanted. And that's what he told you. And in spite of how wonderful that might make you feel, <laughs> it's wrong. It's sinful and it's rejected by God. To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. I hope you remember 1 Samuel 15 verses 22 and 23 because they mean so much to us today as well. No, we don't sacrifice calves and goats and bulls and rams, but but we are called to worship and to have uh, uh, worship assemblies. But as we do those things, we do those things humbly and obediently. Why? Because to obey is better than to come up with some wonderful worship experience that will make us feel better, but is contrary to what God's will is. That's what Saul had done. And just as surely as God condemned that and rejected Saul, he will condemn that today and reject us in our worship if we're not seeking to do that in accordance with his will, in accordance with his word, the Bible, the scripture. Saul was rejected as king, and it's one of the most tragic and sad stories of all. Well, but it's not the end of the people of God. Israel still exists, even though Saul will continue to reign for a while. God has already rejected him. And so he goes to Samuel and he says this in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. <laughs> God says to Samuel, hey, the time of mourning is over. Uh, yeah, this is bad, but I, I've already got my eye on somebody else and I want you to go and anoint. Uh, one of the sons of Jesse, a father in Bethlehem, and I'll tell you which one when you get there. And so we read this great passage in 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest of his sons, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. You see, he looks probably kind of like Saul looked at first, head and shoulders above everybody, this handsome, strong uh, man. Um, and Samuel said, hey, that must be him. Verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Whatever your situation, whatever your condition, whatever you look like, whatever's going on in your life, you can take um, wonderful encouragement from those words. God doesn't look at the exterior. He doesn't look at how people look and appear. He doesn't look at appearances, but rather he looks at the heart. And that's why he rejected Saul, because his heart was far away. And that's why Eliab wasn't his man, because God looks at the heart. So he's going to go down the line with all of Jesse's sons. Verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Those were the three oldest. Verse 10, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So we asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. 
He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Jesse hadn't even sent for David to come. He was so young and he thought there's no way that, that this one is the one. Don't even worry about calling him. He needs to stay there with the sheep anyway. And so Samuel says, well, get him here because we are not going to rest until he, he arrives. Verse 12, so Jesse sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Another way of saying he was very young and looked nice, but very young. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah, his home. So David is anointed king while the current king is still on the throne, still very much alive. And a lot of the rest of David's life is going to be some of that back and forth between him and King Saul and also King Saul's son, Jonathan. David and Jonathan become very close, dear friends. Um, and Saul and David interact a lot. First of all, David is employed in his service. He is a musician. He plays the lyre or the harp, and he, whenever Saul is upset, uh, they bring David in to play for him, and it soothes him. Um, it soothes him. But really, the first thing that we read about David in a significant way is found in 1 Samuel 17. And it's that very familiar story, the story of David, and Goliath. In uh, the first part of the passage, Goliath is this huge man, almost 10 feet tall, with this very heavy sword. And as uh, the Israelites and the Philistines are on two hills, and they kind of run out in the valley in between, and they face each other, and they say, hey, you know, they, they do the trash talking. <laughs> and the Philistine comes out, Goliath, for his people and challenges the Israelites and uh, defies their God, um, blasphemes him, defies their King Saul, defies their soldiers and says, hey, bring out your best guy. We'll do a little one-on-one -on -one here. And winner takes all. And of course, whenever he comes out, all the Israelite men just run and hide. They, they don't want to face him. They can't. Well, it looks like Bill's technical problems continue. We had a good day on Tuesday, and uh, hopefully uh, we're back now. Uh, it's trying to start up again, and I think I've uh, got it uh, back connected. We're back live again. We're telling the story of King David, who has just recently been anointed king after Saul was rejected, and Samuel anoints David as king. And now David is standing before uh, with the troops of King Saul, as they are being challenged by Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. And David has just asked around and said, what, what happens if you stand up to this guy? Uh, and they tell him. And so uh, David sends word you know, to King Saul, hey, I'll take care of this. <clears throat> I'll handle it. And King Saul looks at him and he says, you're just a boy. You, there's no way you can, you can stand up against this 10 foot tall uh, champion of battle named Goliath. And then in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What a great statement of faith and trust in God. Um, David says, look, he's fighting with his size and his strength and his sword. I'm fighting with the power of the living God. And he's protected me against worse odds than this. When I fought against the bear, when I fought against the lion, God delivered me because he is my strength, as David will later write. And so Saul says, this, this Philistine will be just like one of them. Saul said to David at the end of verse 37, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul put all of his armor on David, and it just swamped him. <laughs> and David says, This is all nice, but I'm not used to it. It doesn't fit. I, I can't do this. And so David gets the weapon that he's very familiar with, a sling. Uh, as boys, we played with slingshots, something similar, but a, a, a large sling. And he gets five smooth stones, probably pretty good-sized stones, and he goes and he faces the Philistine. And when he does, when Goliath sees him, he says, what, am I a dog? You're just going to throw sticks at me? And, um, and I can just see David start swirling that sling. And um, sure enough, he, lay, he fires one of the stones off and it hits um, Goliath right in the forehead and knocks him out. And while he's down, David goes to him, takes his own sword, <laughs> Goliath's own sword, and uh, kills him and uh, cuts off his head and takes it back uh, with him. At that, when the army sees that Goliath has uh, been slain, uh, the Philistines lose heart and they start running. The Israelites gain strength and courage and they start running after them. And God gives Israel a great, great victory that day. But not just Israel. He gives David a great victory that day. And just like with Joshua and Jericho, just like with Gideon uh, and the Midianites, it's, it's a great victory for faith, for faith and trust, not just in, in David, but in the God of David, just as it was in the God of Joshua and in the God of Gideon. Um, David brings about this great victory because he trusted in the Lord and he used the power of God and was victorious. Um, in the chapters that follow, we're going to see David continue to grow in power. In fact, you're going to write songs about how great of a military leader he is. And Saul's insecurity is just going to keep tilting out. And he and David are going to go back and forth until finally uh, Saul and almost all of his family are killed. And David becomes uh, king. That'll be in the chapters that follow. Um, at this time, I want to leave you with this great reading from 1 Samuel 13, uh, or rather 1 Samuel 15 that we read earlier. And certainly Saul did not live by this, but the man after God's own heart, um, the one who would become King David, uh, certainly gave his heart to God. 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 and 23. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. 
God told Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. He will reject us in our disobedience, but just as David proved, if we trust in him, and as the old song says, trust and obey, there's no other way, then he will bless us just as he blessed David in his great victory over Goliath. I pray that you have a wonderful weekend and that you continue to heed and to obey and to trust in the will of the Lord. God bless.